Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. For themselves, with a basic understanding of nutrition, taking charge of their life, and attain optimal health and longevity through nutrition, not by toxic prescription drugs leading to side effects. This is clearly a deadly recipe. The good news is Doc Wallach's message is resonating with an increasing number of Americans who are waking up to all the big government and big pharma manipulation of our health care system. I like what Doc Wallach is saying and doing to enlighten people about health care. Thanks, Alex. To purchase Longevity products, go to the KCAA website at kcaaradio.com and click on the Longevity banner on the upper right side of the KCAA homepage. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 10.50 a.m., the station that needs no listener behind. Now it's time for Culture Shocks with your host, Barry Lynn. Edition of Culture Shocks. This is Barry Lynn. For 20 years, my guest today, Mary Johnson, was known as Sister Donata. She was with Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity. And then in 1997, after a long personal struggle, she resigned. She quit. She's now married. She's now running workshops for women writers. The chronicle of all of this is now out in paperback. The book is called An Unquenchable Thirst. Mary Johnson, thanks for being with us. It's great to be here, Barry. Thank you. But what drew you originally to being a nun, and then specifically, why to the missionaries of charity? Yeah, well, I think God had kind of always been important to me growing up. I came from a very religious family, mm -hmm. and that really meant something to me personally as well. Um, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with my life, but one day in high school I saw the photo of Mother Teresa on the cover of Time magazine, and somehow it drew me in. I read the article, and in that moment, in some mysterious way, I kind of felt like really that's what I was meant to do, to, to become a sister. It wasn't something I'd really contemplated before. Tell me about the mystery. How, how do you have this mysterious moment? I mean, I think a lot of people would describe times in their life like that, but what did it feel like to you? Yeah, it kind of felt like the whole world was, was opening up somehow, and that suddenly my place in the world was revealed. It's very difficult to talk about these kinds of moments because sure. to find words for them is, you know, words are made for things we see and touch, and this was something very interior. Um, I think also, really, that kind of moment I had then 
led to the sort of conviction that teenagers sometimes have and that afterwards it's very difficult to find. Sure, sure. <laughs> Where you really think that, okay, so you've discovered something and you really know exactly what it is and nobody can convince you otherwise. Right. I had that sort of teenage certainty uh, about this experience. Uh, well, it, you, after you see the picture, read the story about Mother Teresa in Time magazine. You've, tell us about the first time you actually met her. The first time I met Mother Teresa in person was in the South Bronx. I'd already joined the sisters. Mm -hmm. um, I'd seen her from a distance bef before that. In 1976, there was a Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia, this huge gathering of Catholics that I attended, and she was one of the speakers. And I was transfixed by her as she spoke. It's like she was speaking these words of the gospel, of caring for the poor, of loving our neighbor, and doing it in such a simple way and in a way that was obviously so heartfelt for her and that she was living that life of poverty that I felt Jesus had lived in the Gospels. And then um, when I actually saw her in the South Bronx, you know, up close, she was a little tiny woman with a lot of wrinkles even then in 1977, um, but very, very powerful um, in just a very simple way. She seemed to be present fully in each moment as she was Whatever she was doing, whether she was in the chapel praying, whether she was eating with us, whether she was speaking to us, she lived with an intensity that I've seen in very few people. And it's an intensity that you felt was completely, um, completely real. There was nothing uh, created about it. This wasn't Daniel Day-Lewis uh, living the life of Abraham Lincoln. She was authentic. I believe she was, you know. I, I certainly wouldn't canonize each of her actions or decisions no. by any stretch of the imagination. But I do believe that she was very sincere in everything that she did and that she thought she was doing the right thing. She was really giving herself fully um, in, in ways that few of us could imagine. I've never sure. met anyone so dedicated, so self-sacrificing. Uh, you know, she would just lived this, this very simple life as any of the rest of us did. Of course, hers was far more complicated sure. being in the public eye and having to travel so much. Um, but when she was at home in Calcutta, she had this tiny bed that was just over the kitchen. The room was usually filled with smoke. Um, mm. she, she had two sets of clothes like the rest of us did. She ate the same food we did. She was living this simple life on that level, and then the dedicated life on the other sense of really doing everything within her power at each moment to be a loving presence and to be of service to the poor and of service to the world. She kind of looked on herself as a, an empty wire, she used to say, through which hmm. God could speak. That was kind of the way an she envisioned wire. herself. All right. Now, uh, you meet her. Uh, you take two sets of vows, and, and I just want people to understand, 1980 and 1986. What's the difference as you go through uh, training and the novitiate yeah. of uh, becoming a sister? It takes a long time to become a full-fledged yeah. sister, and each group does it in a slightly different way. For us, at the time that I was um, going through it, we had three years of training before we took first vows. And when we did take those first vows, they were for a year at a time. So in 1980, when I vowed poverty, chastity, obedience, and a special vow that the Missionaries of Charity take called Wholehearted and Free Service to the Poorest of the Poor, when I took those four vows in 1980, I did them for, for a year at a time. And I renewed those vows each year until 1986, 
when I took vows for life. Mm-hmm. Um, same vows with the same conditions, just that they would not expire. They would never expire. That was the idea. Oh, yeah. Uh, so you remembered that moment of mystery when you, you see this picture. You say, this is what I think my life is all about, a moment of mystery. What's the first moment of doubt you had? Mm, the very first. Yeah. Mm. I'm not sure I remember the very first exactly what that might have been, but there were a series of things that, you know, put all sorts of questions in my mind um, fairly early on. The first, I think, was that we were 12 young women who joined the Missionaries of Charity in 1977 in Mm -hmm. the South Bronx, and during that initial six months of training, um, 10 of the 12 left. 10 left. Yes, and leaving just two of us to proceed to the next stage of training in New York. in Rome. Did they talk to you? Did you talk to them? That was very difficult because yeah. the, we didn't know that someone was leaving until they had left. Hmm. Um, we were never um, told. It was The sisters felt kind of like it was a shameful thing to leave, even mm-hmm. at that very early stage when naturally people were discerning whether or not they should stay. Um, but the sisters really told us, you know, from the very first day we entered God has called you here. The worst thing you can do is to leave because you would be giving up this great vocation. This is the only thing that will bring you happiness in life because God has called you. This was the story that we heard continuously over and over. Because you didn't hear any. It was a shameful sort of thing. Yeah, but you didn't hear anything from them because you weren't supposed to be chatting about these things. (laughs) We weren't supposed to be chatting about hardly anything. No, exactly. We had rules of silence, Uh, and we we could mm. speak with each other at lunchtime and at dinnertime and for half an hour before going to bed in a period called recreation. And other than that, we were supposed to keep silent except when, you know, just... Sure. Common speech when we were working, anything related to the work. But chatting was really not something we were encouraged to do. Mother Teresa always said, you keep the silence in your heart so that you can speak to God there. Yeah, and uh, it's just, as we'll get in in a few minutes, but but there are these human interests, in, among them communicating uh, generally when, when you're having doubts, whether it's whether you like the college you're in, or in this case, whether you've made the right initial decision for a lifetime of work but but it didn't it didn't come up they would people would just kind of disappear and then it was another down out of the 12 is that how it worked yes you've described it quite well actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we would we would arrive at lunch and see that you know there was an empty place there and we'd you know ask what had happened where this person was well she's gone home she's gone home well we're going to go take a little break mary johnson but when we come back more about the book an unquenchable thirst the relationship between mary johnson then known as sister donato with the missionaries of charity starts to dissemble we're going to find out whether it was mainly over human longings that this first started or whether it was on bigger theological issues, uh, doubts being raised about the content of the very message she was a part of. We're joined by Mary Johnson on Quenchable Thirst. We'll be back in a minute right here on Culture Shocks. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. 
Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? about intelligent design? Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. Mike Stennerson from Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Do you owe the IRS money that you can't pay? Are tax liens and levies ruining your life? Are you tired of being afraid just to go to the mailbox? If this describes you, then Dan Pilla can help. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla, and I've been solving tax problems for more than 30 years. In fact, I wrote the book that made it possible to negotiate settlements with the IRS, and I've helped thousands of people do exactly that. Call now at 800-346-6829 to learn how I can help you. You know your IRS debt will not go away by itself, but you don't have to live in fear anymore. New changes to IRS policies will help more people than ever before eliminate their debts once and for all. There's no need for you to suffer another day with IRS debt. Call 800-346-6829. I can help you eliminate wage and bank levies, release tax liens, and negotiate a settlement with the IRS that will put your tax nightmare behind you forever. Call 800-34-NO-TAX or go to my website, TaxHelpOnline.com. That's TaxHelpOnline.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. 
back uh, with the author, Mary Johnson, of a quite uh, unusual book and a very detailed look at one woman's story. She becomes convinced that this job that she has undertaken with the missionaries of charity, Mother Teresa's uh, group of nuns, is what her life is all about. But then she starts to have doubts, and some of those doubts are human doubts, like I, she starts to feel physical attraction to some people, and some of them are theological doubts. Uh, Mary, do you remember, what was the, I realize it's a hard question that I asked you earlier about what the moment was of doubt, but what, what was the doubt mainly about? Why am I attracted to this person I know I shouldn't be, or or, wait a minute, there doesn't seem, there's something wrong with the theology that I'm learning. Well, Barry, there were doubts of both sorts and of other sorts as well. Um, one doubt that came, I think, very early for me was the question of suitability. Hmm. It became clear to me that um, obedience was very important for the sisters and that they weren't really interested in new ideas. Mother Teresa used to yep. say, you know, if you don't want to do it the MC way, the Missionary of Charity <laughs> way, get out, go home. Yeah. We're not here to change anything. And it was evident to me from the beginning that there were a lot of things that could be improved. Um, and that I was a person who enjoyed being able to make a contribution and to improve things and sure. to change things. And so that that was hard from the beginning. And this sort of anti-intellectual strain in the Missionaries of Charity was difficult for me. I'd always enjoyed reading widely. The sisters had just a tiny shelf of books, and we were allowed to read for half an hour a day from mm -hmm. those approved books only. So those things were difficult. When you, look then, back, yeah, when you look back at it, what were they afraid you, you might read? Were you, for example, to uh, you know, discover something hidden behind the shelves or as someone sent you something in the mail? What were they most afraid of? I think they were afraid of any sort of, you know, what they would call worldly temptation. Mm -hmm. That the world would come to tempt us with ideas of importance or with having relationships with other people. Mother Teresa used to say, we are only always all for Jesus. And she mm -hmm. really meant each one of those yeah. words. Um, nothing else. She interpreted everything in kind of the most radical way possible, I think. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly radical, uh, certainly possibly even an understatement. But you have feelings. You have feelings about someone who is, it turns out to be a kind of sexual predator, about another sister, eventually about a priest. I mean, just in one of those instances, how, how does this develop? Yes, well, by that time I'd been with the sisters for quite a while. I was mm -hmm. in my early 30s. Um, I had never really had a boyfriend before I joined yeah. the sisters. I was a kind of a geeky teenager. Um, and then, you know, one day there was a new sister in the community, and she told me one day, I love you. And no one had really ever said these words to me before, huh. but I'd always longed to hear them, as I think any human being does. Sure. And just that longing for, for a human connection was very strong in me, and it was something that, you know, the sisters had taken care to, to deny. <laughs> yep. But I think the longing for human intimacy, the longing for connection with another person to know and to be known, to love and to be loved, is just very innate within each of us. And um, I was drawn to this sister in the beginning. It was just very exciting to be close to somebody sure. um, after so many years of not having that at all. 
Um, and as you said, eventually she began to reveal herself as someone who preyed sexually on other sisters and had done this um, mm. repeatedly. And I hadn't been aware of that at the no. time. The relationship got really complicated, very manipulative. But it was an overtly sexual relationship eventually. It did become that, yes, mm -hmm. it did. And it felt differently or the same, just with a different gender identifier, when you feel in love with a priest. Well, I did fall in love with a priest. He had been my confessor. Mm -hmm. um, yes, there were, you know, the feelings of falling in love that any person has, but... I think it was kind of qualitatively different with him because he was a very different person. He was a person without the sort of manipulative agenda right. the sister had had. Um, he was a very loving person, a very concerned person, um, a really great guy, actually. And the relationship that I had with him was a very healing relationship for me, sustaining, affirming sort of relationship. Uh, was it one, though, where you always felt it, you were one hair's breadth away from discovery? <laughs> yes, I think, you know, the opportunities for real interaction yeah. were limited because we saw each other basically, you know, only for half an hour a week or so at the very most. Um, occasionally I would call him, and there was one period where I was able to call him rather frequently at night. Mm -hmm. But... We were never really had much opportunity, you know, to be alone no. or to do things together. We used to fantasize. I mean, I remember one day he told me that one of his biggest fantasies was being able to walk with me in the park and letting people see us together <laughs> and that we would be together just, just walking in the park. Um, those were the sorts of things that we couldn't do. No, no. I mean, I, it's a far cry from that fantasy to, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey, but um, I assume that he had other... Uh, we talked about yeah. marriage. Yeah. We talked about, um, you know, and when we had opportunity, we, you know, we would express our affection for each sure. other in physical ways. Yep. We didn't have a full-blown-out affair with all sorts of, you know, expressions. No. We didn't have an opportunity for no. that. No, no. But we did take advantage of whatever little opportunities we had because there was this natural human bond between us that, that wanted that sort of expression. And, you know, we would fantasize, you know, one day sure. perhaps we would get married. But it became evident, you know, he wanted to remain a priest. Of course. That's... You, know, you can't mix those two right now in the Catholic Church. Uh, no, and, and as I must say, probably not for the foreseeable future either. The, when the sister who became a kind of a predatory individual with whom you have a relationship, did these missionaries of charity at any level, from Mother Teresa herself on down the line of authority, know that this woman was what she was and how manipulative she was? Yes, um, that was a big part of the complication yep. because, um, as I said, she had been doing this before. Her name was Sister Niobe, mm -hmm. and she, um, another sister who had fallen prey to her advances, um, had written a letter to Mother Teresa and to the sisters who were gathered for a meeting called the Chapter General. And she'd written a letter about this sister. Um, Mother Teresa knew about it. Other sisters knew about it. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mother Teresa's opinion, uh, as hard as it is to believe, perhaps, was that it was a greater sin for us to be talking about this than mm. for it to have happened. You know, the greater sin that, to talk about it. 
Yeah, greater sin to talk about it because, you know, it must have been a, a moment of weakness that, that Sister Niobe had done this. Uh-huh. But we, fully conscious, were talking about it. You know, And, of course, I wasn't talking about it. I didn't even know about it. Hardly anybody was talking sure, about it. This sure. sister had written a letter hoping a problem would be addressed. Yep. And, and Mother Teresa said, said no, we no, don't talk about these things. We don't talk about it. And uh, the difference between that and just kind of covering it up may be, uh, well, le- less than one can imagine. When we come back, we continue the conversation about the book An Unquenchable Thirst by Mary Johnson, a little bit about uh, some of the people who have been promoting the book and some curious parallels. We'll be back. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. Our nation's founders believed that all Americans have the right to worship according to their own beliefs or not to worship at all. So strong was their commitment to religious freedom that they enshrined it in the first sentence of the Bill of Rights. Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. We call this constitutional guarantee the first freedom. Religion is deeply personal, and Americans must be free to practice without coercion. There must be a separation of church and state. We are on the verge of losing this fundamental freedom. You may wonder, what can I do? The answer is simple. Do what our founders did. Sign your name to a very important document, the First Freedom First Petition. Go to www.firstfreedomfirst.org and sign it today. By standing together, we can send a powerful message to our elected officials. Got a simple question for you. Can you sell? Yes? Okay, can you sell the intangible? If yes, and you'd like to work 9 to 5, Monday through Friday, with no overtime, no weekends, if you're passionate about not closing sales, but about opening relationships, if you truly have a desire to serve global clients who need your advertising expertise, and you're local to the Twin Cities and Burnsville, are hardworking, self-driven, with experience in sales, marketing, or advertising, are personable and a whiz on the phone, GCN wants to talk with you right now. GCN. The Genesis Communications Network is one of the largest independent talk radio networks in the world, and we're hiring right now. We offer benefits and an excellent commission structure. Experience preferred, but we'll train the right person. Is that you? Submit your resume today to advertise at GCNlive.com. Again, that's advertise at GCNlive.com. Come work with the Genesis Communications Network, an equal opportunity employer. There's a huge and hushed up conspiracy going on that's about to turn your lives upside down in the coming few months. Unbelievably, the media are keeping quiet about this. I'm sure they know it, but they probably know that revealing it on TV will generate mass hysteria and chaos. But I believe you should be informed about it, because when the sinister agenda is finally accomplished and everything unravels, only those who know this secret info will survive and thrive. Go to 123conspiracy.com right now to see the truth. The video at 123conspiracy.com reveals the real, secret reason why Obama is after your guns and ammo. And it's not just in response to mass murders of preparing for war. It's something much darker. Go watch the video now at 123conspiracy.com before they shut it down. Again, that's 123conspiracy.com. 
Don't throw away leftovers. Instead, throw all your leftovers, vegetable peels, eggshells, coffee grounds, pizza crusts, and more into the Bokashi. If you love to garden and compost but don't like the hassle of turning a compost bin or the smell, then check out the EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics. Finally, a way to recycle all your food and plant waste safely and effectively and stop using fertilizers. The EM Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System. Rather than decomposition, the Bokashi system uses fermentation to break down waste, so it takes less time to create nutrient dense humus for crops or gardens with no turning and no obnoxious odors. To learn more and order your Bokashi online, visit Terraganics.com and click on the orange button. That's Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com or call 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Recycle all your food wastes in about six weeks with the Bokashi Food Waste Recycling System from Terraganics.com. Terraganics, life's getting better. We are back, and we're talking to Mary Johnson, the author of An Unquenchable Thirst. It's now out in paperback. It's a truly uh, remarkable story about one woman's uh, journey into uh, the novitiate to be a nun with Mother Teresa's order of the missionaries of charity. But things go wrong theologically, uh, structurally, in a human standpoint, and all of a sudden she, all of a sudden, 20 years later, she's no longer a nun. Now she's married, works with writers' workshops for other women writers, and uh, is our guest today. So one of the people that was a fan of your book and uh, in its original version, and now I'm sure as well, is Anne Rice. I don't know Anne Rice terribly well, but I did. I, I know her a little bit, and I was truly surprised uh, when she announced, and it turned out to be a brief affection, uh, that she was becoming a Roman Catholic. She was abandoning writing vampire books. She hadn't started her werewolf books. She was doing novels about Jesus. And and I, I knew her well enough to know that she the hierarchy of the church must create problems for her. I mean, for her to go in, and much as she might have appreciated the, the structure of the church, or the ritual of the church, um, it was still priests telling her, I mean, literally, if they could, and some of them do it even though they're not supposed to, to literally tell you what to think about everything, who to vote for. And she, she said, Barry, they don't tell me how to vote. Well... It was about a year later when she decided to drop her interest in Catholicism, uh, also done in a very public way. Uh, do you understand that kind of quick absorption into the faith and then an almost immediate you know, year, 18 months, rejection of it? Does that make sense out of your experience? Well, in Anne Rice's case, um, I think it does make a lot of sense. She... Um actually grew up Catholic. She grew Mm -hmm. up in New Orleans, completely immersed in the Catholic culture, because New Orleans is an exceedingly Catholic city, um, with its own version of Catholicism. In New Orleans, being a Catholic isn't so much, you know, about, um, about the political aspects of it. It's just immersing yourself in these these beautiful churches, in the rituals, um, those were the things that she grew up with and that formed such a large part of her identity. And she talks a lot about this in a memoir that she wrote called Called Out of Darkness, mm-hmm. um, where she describes her youth um, 
in the Catholic Church and how important that was for her, how she was drawn to the saints and to Jesus and to Mary. And you can see, I think, some of that even in, in her fiction about vampires in the sense that, right. you know, you have this, this community of kind of mystical beings. And I think that, you know, there are some similarities in aesthetic, if you would, <laughs> with Catholicism and these sorts of, of vampire mysteries. And you have to realize that Anne Rice was really one of the first to modernize the, the vampire tale. Of course. She doesn't belong to these later groups at Twilight. No, and that of course kind of not. It's, it's a different sort of sure. story that she wrote. She did that, you know, before anybody else was doing it. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, she rejected the church. And I think a lot of that did have to do with the hierarchy and being mm-hmm. what to do. She became an atheist. And then she felt this longing within her, you know, back again for for more meaning. She felt drawn somehow into the mystery once more that she'd experienced as a child. And I think I do understand, you know, that draw of Catholicism. There's something special there at its essence that speaks to the human heart in a way that few other, few things do. That's why it survived 2,000 years, even though so many horrible things have happened in the middle. Because sure. at its core, there is something something genuine. Um, and she she wanted that again and then realized that in its present incarnation in the church, she really couldn't do that. No. And so then she left again. Yeah. It, kind of, it does make sense to me. Yeah. You know, uh, when you talk about the core of, of kind of good ideas, uh, just uh, for about 48 hours ago, two Canadian uh, researchers issued a, a report. I have not read the full report, uh, I have to say, uh, but it questions significantly the humanitarian image of Mother Teresa itself. And this is not Christopher Hitchens. Um, criticizing Mother Teresa as he did in a book and particularly harsh critic of, of her. But these, these uh, two writers uh, basically say, look, Mother Teresa saw so much beauty in the suffering of those who were the poorest of the poor that uh, her immediate instinct was let's pray with them rather, they say, than provide practical uh, necessities of food, medical care, and that in, in the view of these two writers, uh, she's kind of a fraud, and then the church builds on a fraud and makes her into this uh, larger-than-life figure with a hundred countries where there are missions of missionaries of charity, but that she, the money's, uh, it's unclear what happened to money. I mean, this is a pretty harsh attack, admittedly, from, from two people that you know are, are not household names. But what do you think about this? I mean, did you notice anything beyond um, the rigidity and the other things we've talked about? What, was she right. conning somebody? Well, I think there are, there are two things I'd like to address in this question. Yep. And the first has to do with that attitude towards suffering and the attitude towards helping the poor that you talked about. Yep. And the second is probably the whole media aspect. Okay. Um, and so if we're going to talk about what Mother Teresa was trying to do when she helped the poor, I think it's really clear that she was her main goal was not to make life immediately better for the poor. Mm which is not the image we have of her. Right, right. <laughs> but she she always said, you know, we are not here we are not social workers. We are here to minister to these these people's needs because the poor are Jesus. She looked mm-hmm. took that, you know, Matthew 23 where Jesus yep. says I was hungry and you gave me to eat. Yep. I was thirsty, you gave me to drink. She took that very literally and she would say we are serving Jesus in the poor. 
and she was quite satisfied with just, you know, giving that basic food, giving that basic shelter, clothing people, but she was not really concerned about lifting people up out of poverty because for Mother Teresa, her goal was always on the next life, Mm -hmm. on heaven. And she felt like the suffering brought poor people closer to Jesus. And this resulted in kind of schizophrenic experience for us as missionaries of charity. Because on the one hand, we are here ministering to the poor, trying to relieve their suffering. And on the other hand, we're being told that suffering is what brings people close to God. Um, Mother Teresa always felt like Jesus on the cross, it was his suffering that, that really brought about redemption, that brought him close to God. The poor people are Jesus on the cross. And hmm. and so it's she, she really wasn't concerned with, you know, any of the latest medical technologies. It's it's true in many of the accusations that are made that the facilities of the missionaries at charity operated at, you know, way below sure. standards. Um, Mother Teresa's approach was that we should serve the poor from a place where we know what poverty is ourselves. So our facilities were always very simple. Mm-hmm. Um, the sisters were not given much training, even no. if they were doing medical work. They had very, very minimal training for that. This is one of the things that, that bothered me a lot. Um, at a certain point, I wanted to be able to do more to help the poor. It just it wasn't enough simply to hand out sandwiches and soup. Um, I wanted, to, and there were ways that we could have done that easily. So that approach to the poor and those accusations that are made, I think there's a lot of merit there, and I think the sisters need to look at those questions. It sounds like a variation of let there you know, be more sins so there shall be more grace. Let there be uh, even more dire poverty because it will get you closer to this authentic experience of feeling just like Christ. And uh, in the long run, which is all that matters, uh, this will be better for you. It's a pretty harsh standard when you're talking about people who uh, are literally uh, dying in the streets of Calcutta. Yes, it's very convoluted, and it's it's a much different thing if you are a person who decides of your own free will yep. to adopt a poor exactly. life because you want exactly. to share the poverty of the poor, and being a person who, out of yeah. no choice of your own whatsoever, nope. finds yourself a sick, homeless, hungry. Indeed. No, a big, big difference, a huge difference. When we come back, Mary Johnson, we're going to wrap up the conversation about the paperback version of your book, An Unquenchable Thirst. We'll talk about the order itself and some other personal thoughts will be back the gcn radio network providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio g c n great talk radio starts here Every month, Americans United for Separation of Church and State publishes an award-winning magazine called Church and State. It exposes efforts by the so-called religious right to eat away at the core principles of religious freedom. Should your tax dollars fund expensive private religious schools and cut back funding for your local public schools? Should government bureaucrats get back in the business of writing unity prayers for your children to recite at school? Should we teach good, solid science or replace it with religious messages? 
messages about intelligent design. Should special interest groups force your school library to take popular books from the Harry Potter series to Judy Bloom novels off the shelves? These are the issues explored every month in Church and State magazine. To learn more, go to www.au.org. Americans United fights to protect and promote the constitutional principle of church-state separation. For more information, please call us at 1-800-875-3707. You've thought about it for years. Well, the time is now. You need a secret bunker, and you need it deep and strong. Atlas Survival Shelters should be your first and only choice. The experts at Atlas can help you choose a shelter that has all the comforts of your home and is 11 times stronger than square box shelters. Call Atlas at 1-855-4-BUNKERS. 1-855-4-BUNKERS. Or visit IWantThatBunker.com. Atlas Survival Shelters. Better prepared than scared. Are you prepared for disasters, job loss, and uncertain times? Make Emergency Essentials your first stop for premier food storage and emergency preparedness supplies. Compare our food storage ounce to ounce, and it's easy to see. Emergency Essentials has the best quality and lowest-priced emergency food storage guaranteed. Call Emergency Essentials at 800-999-1863 today or visit BePrepared.com. The choice is clear. Be unprepared or BePrepared.com. Are you still a traditional smoker? Now experience a new lifestyle and try vaping with e-cigarettes by LeSig. Imagine no ashes, stains, nasty smell, or coughing and hacking. With LeSig e-cigarettes revolutionary microelectronic technology, rechargeable battery, and unique replaceable cartridge, you'll get all the benefits and satisfaction of smoking without the hazards. Choose your taste from a wide variety of our new American-made vaporeate e-liquids at LeSig.com. And LeSig smokes the competition by serving thousands of worldwide customers with real people customer service fast free same day shipping and a 30-day warranty and satisfaction guarantee so are you ready for a new vaping lifestyle then call 870-518-4307 that's 870-518-4307 or visit lesig.com spelled l-e-c-i-g.com lesig e-cigarettes for today's modern smoker a little over a year ago, I began to do a lot of research into why, even if I had a pretty good-sized meal, that I was still starving. And my research led me to a well-known fact that most of the soils that we grow our crops on here in the United States and across the industrialized world are almost completely depleted of almost all of the key minerals and trace elements that our bodies need to rebuild themselves, fight off cancer, and be healthy. I then searched out the best vitamin and mineral company out there and discovered Longevity. The Longevity products are designed to give you the real nutrition you need, and once you've got that, you don't have to eat as much to be satisfied. I've lost 37 pounds in two months simply getting the vitamins and minerals I need. Check it out for yourself. It's incredible. Go to InfoWarsTeam.com today and order your first canister of Beyond Tangy Tangerine Complete Multivitamin Mineral Complex Dietary Supplement. That's InfoWarsTeam.com. All right, 
right, we're back with the author of a quite, uh, a quite uh, in some ways, unnerving book because it, it talks in a very specific, very intimate way about a movement from, uh, I guess, Mary Johnson being a nun with Mother Teresa's Missionaries of Charity into a person who uh, has rejected that, uh, has rejected um, pretty much any specific need to be religious or theological. We may get into that in a second. Uh, you know, Mary, uh, I uh, am a theist, and I, I, uh, I must say I try, even though I have enormous political differences with the hierarchy of the Roman Catholic Church. But some of the things that you describe are so out of the ordinary. They, they, one would think that a person who has the intellectual curiosity of a person like yourself would have thought, why am I wearing a spiked wire armband that, in your words, gouges my left biceps? Why would you put up with that? Or when your superior... Uh, w- wakes up saying, I need a man, and then you end up debating whether it was a sin to dream about being with a man instead of dealing with whatever else is going on there. I mean, these seem to be on the edge of human experience. That you, you, Why did it take you 20 years to say, this is not for me? Yeah, I think it goes back to the very first thing we talked about, Barry, where you become convinced that God wants something of you. Hmm. And that if God is asking it, it doesn't have to make sense. You look at God asking Abraham to sacrifice his son. Right. You look at all sorts of things that don't make any sense. Right. God asks, and the proof of your love for God is that you do these things that don't make any sense. Um, and so I, I tried for a long time, and we were always taught that our superiors reveal to us the will of God and that that's made manifest in the teachings of the church and all the rest of it. And... Um, yeah, for a while, I, for a long while, I, I tried to go along with that. I tried my sure. best, and then afterwards, I just realized, no. I mean, it, it, at a certain point, things just have to make sense. Yes, I... and and we are responsible, I think, for for making judgment calls. Yeah, um, and. And those judgment calls involve all the things we talked about. I mean, what it be, is to be a fully human being, what it is to really help the poor, not just to uh, administer a Band-Aid uh, occasionally, whether appropriate or, or otherwise, and then some of the bigger theological issues. Are you, um, you would not characterize yourself as a religious person anymore at all. Um, do you believe that the Roman Catholic Church of today is going in 20 years to have made any steps in the directions of uh, at least acknowledging the humanity of women, uh, respecting their moral authority to some degree, if not to the fullest extent possible? Do, do you think there's a chance that things will change over the course of you know, the rest of our lifetimes? I can always hope. I I think it's very difficult because in the Roman Catholic Church, all the power is in the hands of ostensibly celibate men. Right. Um, And they have no reason um, apart from their conscience or, you know, some pressure on put on them from others to change that. And nobody likes to give up power, you know, just willy-nilly. No. (laughs) Um, I know that there are, you know, 
many good bishops, even cardinals and priests in the church who would be willing to share um, leadership roles with women, who would be happy to see women priests, um, who would be happy to to shake up the hierarchy in the church. Whether that's going to happen in the next 20 years or not, your guess is as good yeah. as mine. And I think whatever happens in the in the conclave will have a big effect on that. Yeah, when you talk about giving up power willy-nilly, but well, let me ask you about on a practical score. I mean, let's face it, there are plenty of uh, di- dioceses of the Catholic Church in this country where there is no, there's no good Irish Catholic lad that's ever going to take, them, uh, take care of the local church and it's... Uh, aging, if not dying, population. So priests are found in Latin America. They're found in Africa. They often have difficulties. I mean, just as a practical matter, I mean, I, I worked in a school, actually, for a while, run by the Sisters of Notre Dame, which is known for its educational mission and is very progressive within the Catholic Church. But, but I mean, they, they couldn't get any new nuns. So at some point, doesn't reality smack the conclave attendees in the head? You say if the church is to survive, we have to find a way to do something differently. One would hope so. One would hope so. I'm not necessarily so sanguine because, you know, the Catholic Church has for a long time put its head in the sand. Yes. Um, The leaders of the church. Um, have put their heads in the sand. It just seems to be their mode of operation. And I really do hope they could get shaken out of that, but who knows? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it just seems, you know, the Mormon Church, I mean, there's, a, of course, debate about this, but the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints used to have this very bad racial policy. Uh, all of a sudden, they got uh, news. Uh, they had a kind of intuition, message from God. It was a big deal, and all of a sudden, they now welcome into the fellowship African-Americans. Uh, some of members of the church are still gay in or out. And uh, they they say, well, the, the same kind of revelation may come about that. And and it would seem like the Catholic clergy, I mean, they're not as bound as some of us Protestants were uh, to a fundamentalist reading, a literal reading of the Bible. They understand revelation and uh, they understand it better than Protestants do. But there's no hint. I get the impression there's not a hint uh, in their recent history suggesting that this is going to happen. Most Catholic theologians understand those issues you're talking about with Revelation. But most of the the bishops who have been appointed have been appointed for their conservative credentials and for their clinging to um, Hmm. old ways, to the most right-wing interpretation of things. And those are the people with the authority. There was a lot of... uh, controversy during the time of the Republican and Democratic conventions last summer uh, over uh, progressive sisters and the group Network, other progressive sisters, uh, who were being uh, really stepped upon as if they needed to be stepped on one more time by the hierarchy of the church. Does that, that also, I guess, would suggest digging in, not digging out of anything? It does suggest that very much, and I did a lot of writing and speaking about those problems at the time when the Vatican, you know, really came down hard on Catholic sisters in the United States who are, you know, they're they're great women, most of them. Sure. (laughs) You know, just I have a great deal of admiration for the sisters and for the work that they do and the conviction with which they do it. 
And their median age now is about 65, and they're mm -hmm. basically being told they're not Catholic enough. Right. Um, it's, it's just absurd, to tell the truth. Yeah, 65, they're still wrong. It, it, not an encouragement for people who are 25 to think about this as a, a career path. Uh, one of the, just as we wrap this up, one of the things you do that I find so interesting now is you, you do these workshops with women writers. Uh, why is that necessary? I thought writing, some would say, is such a lonely task. What do you get when you add a group of writers together working together? Yes, because writing is very much often a lonely task. I think that writers, when you put them together, there's... There's a certain chemistry that happens because everybody has been working very intently mm -hmm. by themselves. And then when you bring these people together who have all these ideas and all of this energy, those meetings that we have with the Room of Our Own Foundation at Ghost Ranch in New Mexico mm -hmm. are just extraordinary events um, where wonderful things happen. And I think just limiting it to women writers is a way of encouraging women writers who who haven't had as much exposure right. um, as, as the men get. And a way of, of coming together is, is really extraordinary. Yeah, and, it, uh, and it's got, it has produced uh, other works that arguably wouldn't have been produced if someone was just sitting in her uh, you know, bedroom on the Mac uh, writing by herself. Absolutely. And we sponsor um, $50,000 gifts of freedom to women writers to give them two years to work on their projects. Um, those projects have definitely been created that wouldn't have been created otherwise. Um, a room Robinson, of our own. Uh, what's the website of A Room of Our Own? It's www.aroho.org. All right. Well, I want to thank you very much for that work as well as the story itself, all found now in the paperback version of An Unquenchable Thirst. My guest has been Mary Johnson. I'm Barry Lynn, and uh, we'll talk again. of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit and carding to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. 
Hey, all you Dead Doctors Don't Lie fans, this is Justin Baker. If you missed the Doc Wallach seminar in January right here in Santa Cruz, then now is your chance to see him again. Dr. Wallach is going to be doing a Central California health tour the first week in September 2013. You'll have four opportunities to attend his world-renowned health lecture, which is helping people from around the globe reverse disease. Doc will be at the Pacific Cultural Center at 1307 Seabright Avenue in Santa Cruz on Tuesday, September 3rd. The doors open at 6.30 p.m. On Wednesday, September 4th at 6.30 p.m., we will be in Modesto at Soul Harvest Worship Center. 4718 Greenleaf Court, followed by two lectures on Thursday, September 5th at 10.30 a.m. at Mosswood Park Great Hall at 3612 Webster Street in Oakland. And the last event of the health tour will be in Sacramento the evening of September 5th at 6.30 p.m. at the Church of Scientology at 1007 6th Street. Don't miss these life-changing events. Seating is limited, so contact me today at 831-331-9523. That's 831-331-9523 to reserve your free VIP seats. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Establishment economists are asking, why are so many people so glum? The Great Recession ended in 2009, they note, and job creation is picking up. So come on, people, get happy. With Labor Day in mind, maybe we should clue these economists into one big reality behind our so-called recovery. Most Americans haven't recovered. In June, median household income was still $3,400 less than when Wall Street crashed our economy in 2007. Why? Because those new jobs are really jobettes, paying poverty wages with no benefits or upward mobility. In the Great Recession, about 60% of the jobs we lost were middle-wage positions, paying approximately $14 to $21 an hour. Most of those jobs have not come back. Instead, of the jobs created since the recovery began, nearly 6 out of 10 are low-wage, paying less than $14 an hour. A central fact of the new American economy is that all of the wealth gains go to the top, with working-class people falling into poverty, increasingly unable to make a living at their jobs. To grasp this widening inequity, befuddled economists might bite into a burger or pizza. Seven of the 12 biggest corporations that pay their workers the least are fast food giants. Yum is one. Workers in this conglomerate, which owns Pizza Hut, KFC, Taco Bell, and others, average $7.50 an hour. In contrast, the CEO hauls off $20 million every year, even as Yum lobbies against any hike in our nation's minimum wage. This is Jim Hightower saying, this is no way to run a business, an economy, or a society. It's shameful. That's why a growing grassroots coalition is holding one-day strikes with thousands of fast food workers all across the country. It's a matter of justice, as one church leader said. In recent years, more Americans are becoming uncertain about the future, especially since the idea of global warming has evolved from a political debate to a general acceptance that climate change is real. It's resulting in more violent weather and violent extremes in temperature. It serves no purpose here to speak of fear or to live in fear, but there are common sense signs that suggest that our food security is being impacted. 
The USDA makes annual forecasts of our nation's corn crop each year. It's instructive to review recent corn yields simply to look at how they are faring with regard to projections. You know, a majority of our diet has corn in it. Did you know that corn production in America has fallen below normal for the past several years? The 2012 crop averaged only 123 bushels to the acre, which is almost one-fourth below USDA projections. This year, the USDA is projecting another record crop, while one-half of the country remains in severe drought. At the same time, we're eating our way through our cattle herds. Ranchers are cutting back herd size because of drought. This year's calf crop will be the lowest since 1949, and the annual calf crop has been declining since 1995. None of this is very good news for our food supply. Recently, I discovered a service called GoFoods. The company packages and sells dehydrated, non-GMO, ready-to-eat meals with a long shelf life. After investigating the company, I bought a URL, and it's called www kcaafoods.com Now this website forwards to the Go Foods product site. Again, Go Foods packages, prepares, and delivers monthly supplies of ready-to-eat, dehydrated, non-GMO meals right to your residence. You simply order it online and you get a month's supply by mail. My Go Foods service costs a little over $100 a month. And in a few months, I'll have a good stockpile of non-GMO meals in my pantry. Some meals have a shelf life of over a decade, so my wife just stores them in ice chests, and then they can be accessed later if we need them. Also, some people buy Go Foods and add them to their regular menu. Either way, it's a good deal. Obviously, committing $100 a month to stored foods is a cheap insurance policy, so to subscribe to this food service just like I have, go to the following website www.kcaafoods.com or call toll-free 855-909-1050. My name is Fred Lundgren. I'm the founder and CEO of KCAA Radio, and I agree with this message. You're on board KCAA's Inland Talk Express. KCAA, Loma Linda, 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. There's a battle for the soul of America. We can't let him tear the kingdom down. This is no game. This is war. Flesh and blood. It's between the bad and good. We can't stop until the trumpet sound. This is war. Not a game we're playing. This is war. The only question is, which side will you be on? It's time now for a call to decision with Pastor Butch Paul. Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Butch Paul, the third day of September 2013. Another day's already gone by since I talked to you before. Folks, this time has gone by so quickly. There's so much happening in the world and, and so much happening in this country that is insane, absolutely it's just completely nuts, and it makes you almost dizzy trying to keep up with it, doesn't it? There's so much going on everywhere. But anyway, welcome to tonight's broadcast. We're going to bring up a little bit Mr. Ted Anderson with Midas Resources. We're going to be discussing 
the economy and some other things, plus your phone calls. And Ted has done something so generous that when I talked to him today about it to make sure I understood him, I was actually humbled and, and shocked. Now, I'm going to tell you about that in a minute, what he's going to do for anybody that donates to this broadcast. And I'm serious. I just have to stay tuned. It's, it's a really a wonderful thing he's offering to do. But I want to make mention, too, that our newsletter should be here probably Wednesday or Thursday's latest. Our catalog should be here by that time also. We went ahead and got these done, folks. Hopefully that you'll use them and, and be blessed with them and maybe can use some things that are in it. Uh, and don't forget the T-shirts have been lowered down to $24.95. We got a good deal on them. So when you see it in the catalog, remember it's $10 off the price in the catalog. You can order all you want of them, $24.95. We've been blessed. I'm trying to pass the blessing on to you. And we've even got a better quality, I believe, with some of these. So please feel free to order all you want of them. Uh, 